Hello and welcome to the Keep Right On podcast. I'm Alex Dickin and as ever I'm joined by Brian Dick. Today we are going to be reacting to Tony Mowbray's first press conference as Birmingham City manager. It took place on Thursday leading up to the Swansea City game. He'd only had three or four days in the job. Um, Brian, might as well start with your impressions really, your first impressions of that. I think most of us in the room, or if not all of us, were very impressed. Uh, yeah, I was impressed at the length of it. Absolutely. <laughs> by the time I'd by the time I'd finished uh, transcribing, it was uh, it was gone gone five o'clock. Then we hold up in the uh, in the nags head in Henley and Arden for another hour's work, and we'd have probably done the pod yesterday, wouldn't we? Uh, had the um, had the Wi-Fi uh, stood been up been up to it, but it wasn't. So here we are today. Um, yeah, I, I was I was impressed. I thought I would be. Um, you know, I've, I've I've probably been as gushing about Tony Mowbray as I have been about any Blues manager, and I feel slightly uncomfortable just in case it all does come back to bite us. But I don't feel like it's going to spiral out of control in the way that it it did un, under Rooney. It, quite the reverse. I think he's going to build a, a coherent and cogent and competent um, team, uh, which. If he's given given time and resource, which we expect he will be, if not in January, then in the summer. And I think it'll be an increasingly attractive team as well. Why do I think that? Because he's got a track, rec- a track record of doing that um, everywhere he's been, pretty much. Uh, he, you, you've seen a logic and rational thought process and, and, a, and an evolution of a team. Um, so, yeah, I was I was impressed. I, he spoke for an hour. Um on all manner of subjects, from parenthood to um, to music to cakes to a little bit of football, it was it, it was really enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm fully of the same opinion, Brian. I, I was really impressed with him. Um, I've not done as many of those first press conference manager unveilings as you, but probably the most impressive I've been to. It's clearly a guy who knew how to work a room, a guy who'd done seven jobs before in management over twenty years. Um, and it must be said he hasn't done a bad job in that time, which is why we're so kind of positive and upbeat about about his appointment. Um, you know, he was saying a lot of the same things that Rooney said when he took over yeah. in terms of how he wants to transform the playing style and what he wants to do going forward. But the difference is this time you can believe it because it's a manager who's done it previously and has the track record and CV to prove it. Um, yeah, uh, over, you know, I think it was 59 minutes the press conference went on went on for it probably could have gone on for longer because there were only about three or four written journalists of maybe eight who got to ask a question because it had gone on for so so long yeah. um but yeah you couldn't help but be impressed um his answers on every single subject were in depth and thorough um he admitted himself you know he'll come in without you know without playing politics he won't want to hide anything he'll just be honest um and I think Wayne Rooney was in the same way but Tony Mowbray just just his answers were so so long um yeah. and so so in depth um one answer I transcribed ended up with 579 words on transfers which man- managers are normally very guarded about that subject aren't they but he spoke about it he spoke that he was going into a, a recruitment meeting with Craig Gardner and co shortly after the press conference had finished um he spoke about all manner of things uh really it was it was absolutely fascinating and you know, if that's uh, if that's a sign of things to come, then we can have a very very fun time covering his Blues team. Yeah, I think what what I took away from it was just the absolute complete calm assurance. You know, this mm. was a man who knows his job. Um, he, as you said, twenty years in management, seven previous uh, unveilings, um, 
I put put in uh, in a piece I wrote yesterday that Tony Mowbray is a guy who's been unveiled more times than Robert Carlyle in Full Monty. You know, it's it, it just this guy is experienced. He 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 knows the business. He knows the game, um, and he just exuded that calm confidence, that assurance of I'm comfortable. I've done this before. I I know where this is going. He probably knew what questions were coming. I'm sure he did know what questions were coming. And and as you say, he. You know, there wasn't anything clipped or, or curt about his, any of his responses. He he would talk around the subject that, that the questioner raised, like with you with transfers or, you know, someone else with a style of football. He talked around it and then he gave gave you his his thoughts and his answer as well. So, yeah, just really, really, really composed and competent and, and uber professional. Um, and a lot of people have noticed on social media just... You know, you know just how humble and pleasant and genuine a guy he comes across as uh, he is. What I would say to that is, Rooney was humble and pleasant and genuine mm. as well, wasn't he? And and John Eustace, much more guarded, but a very a very pleasant and humble and hardworking individ- individual as well. I you know, I think footballers and football managers do get a bit of a reputation, you know, for for being a bit up themselves. But you know, I've got to say the at Birmingham City, they do tend to get good good people to to uh to, to sit in a manager's chair um with the exception of one or two we could think of um but for, for another, <laughs> maybe for the goodbye podcast that one um <laughs> but yeah i just yeah just uh, and i think what was great about it is that those qualities and those character traits you know that they're going to be there's going to be how he interacts with his players isn't it and it's it's all about being that horse whisperer or footballer whisperer delivering honeyed word into his players ears and getting performances out of them which you know i'm really confident that he will i mean if you can make you this a beat brian after after an hour imagine what you can do to those players i I know i think how grumpy i was after the leicester defeat you know and I, I, i just believe in it and it's been a been a long time since since I've you know you go back through all the managers and and you and you think yeah I can see why they've done that but you know he's inexperienced or you know he's left a, left a, jo- a previous job under a cloud or you know he's a bit volatile but Tony Mowbray for me just just takes what I'm comfortable with in in the manager. It was it was easy, wasn't it, with Bruni when when they appointed him to criticise and and look at the flaws and there were there were obvious problems there and. Um, but you look at this appointment on the face of it, and there is nothing wrong with it. If it doesn't work, then there might be things down the line that you can you can look at and and say, yeah. well, that's why it didn't work. But on the face of it, right now, this is as good, as safe a managerial appointment in this league as you could probably get for for everything that Blues want. Yeah, I, I, and I think what they want is is they want kind of two different things. They want someone a steady steady pair of hands to address the league situation at present. You know, the twentieth, aren't they? That that needs looking at, um, but also they then need someone who who when they've when they've sort of done the stabling of the ship sort of thing they need someone with a bit of vision to to chart mm. the course for, chart the course forward as well and I, I just I do I think Mo, I think Mowbray does that um, as you say you know it, it might not go all according to plan football football is a very unpredictable business and it's the championship is an unpredictable league and Birmingham City are an un- unpredictable club but with the evidence we have at the moment and the and and the back and the track record that we can we can look on it just feels right and 
you know, I think the supporter response, we've only got access to that on social media because obviously he's not been in the stadium yet. Mm. We've only got access to the supporter response on social media. And yes, it can be, you know, a little bit over the top. Uh, people are either heroes or villains. And there's not, not a lot of grey in there. But so far, the reaction has been very, very positive. And I, and I think Blues fans agree that Tony Mowbray feels like a good fit at the present time. Yeah. Moving on to the uh, the style of football, it came up quite a lot in that press conference. Um, we know how Tony Mowbray's teams like to play. I remember, you know, when I was young and, and growing up and watching football, um, I'd have been a teenager at the time to make you feel old, Brian, but when he was at uh, West Bromwich Albion and they were playing some some great football and, you know, I wouldn't ordinarily turn on the TV and want to watch West Bromwich Albion, but because Tony Mowbray's team were were scoring four or five goals a game, sometimes, you know, winning three, two, four, four, three. Um, they became kind of the neutrals EFL team, didn't they? Um, yeah. Everyone wanted to watch them. It was the same when they went to the Premier League. Um, it, it wasn't as successful there, obviously, because the quality of the opposition is better. But, you know, Mowbray has had a history of, of teams down the years, especially, you know, his, you think his West Brom team, his, his Blackburn team, and also his Sunderland team last year. As a neutral, you do want to watch them. So um, it's a very exciting prospect for Birmingham City. Um and he, he came, he, he mentioned a few of his influences yesterday in the press conference in that, you know, he's a, he was a centre-half on the face of it, you know, a mm. blood and thunder centre-back playing in the, in the championship or whatever for for uh, Ipswich Town. I think he's most most well-known for playing for them. And you wouldn't expect him to to kind of promote this brand of football, but he he was before the trend, really. He was doing it back in, you know, 15, 20 years ago when, when managers like Neil Warnock uh, were having success a different way. And uh, that's probably why he's lasted so long in that, you know, it's now really in vogue. Every every club in the championship wants to play out from the back. Um, and Mowbray's been doing it for, for a length of time and it's proven he's done it, it's worked. Um, his Sunderland team will come on to now. We're, we're very impressive. Um, Before we do that... Can we come on to the West Brom team, which just to make you feel young, I had the, for the fortune of covering quite a lot. Yeah. And uh, yeah... I I sort of fell into fell into that sort of uh, that misapprehension that that because he was the player he was and he was the style of player he was a real rugged no nonsense EFL centre back um, that his team would would be that as well. But that West Brom team, you know, I know people haven't tuned in here to to hear me wax lyrical about West Brom, but they were just so gorgeous on the eye, you know, without going all Craig Revel Horde. Um, it, it, it was. You know, they had players like Zoltan Gira and, and Robert Corran, um, you know, Diamancy Kamara. They they were just they just played lovely football and he and he they absolutely passed passed their way out of the championship. Um and yes, as you say, the Premier League was a was a different challenge. Uh and probably I, I don't think they necessarily had the the quality of defender to to survive in, in, in the Premier League. But at that time, Mowbray was looking overseas. He brought in a couple of Portuguese players as well. So, you know, as you, as you say, all all those years ago, what are we talking? Fifteen years ago now, he was he was something of a of a bit of a, vis, a visionary. Um, so, yeah, uh, I I fell in love with that with that Baggies team a little bit. I, I just really enjoyed covering them. Really enjoyed watching them. Really enjoyed the way Mowbray spoke about spoke about them. And. Uh, yeah, the Blackburn team were an absolute thorn in 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 blue side. You know, I can think of two or three occasions where they go up late in the season and get a four goal spanking, and and Mowbray it would just be 
you know, shelling peace for Mowbray. It was it was just as easy as anything, whether whether it is Adam Armstrong or Burton Diaz or Bradley Dack or Sam Gallagher, you, you know, plundering goals for, for his team. They just they were well organized, they moved the ball well, they were they were horrible on the counter attack. Um so yeah, and um as you say, the his his most recent uh, work is, is is the Sunderland side, isn't it? Yeah, I was I was so impressed last season because he obviously took over that job to right at the end of the first transfer window, didn't he? After Alex Neil left to go to Stoke City, um, and apparently the football under Neil was quite good, but Mowbray completely elevated it to a different level. Um, yeah. yeah, they were praised last season not just for results, which were very good because they finished sixth, but also performances. They were one of the best teams to watch. Only three teams scored more goals in the league. Defensive record wasn't that bad either. It was it was up there with with the best in the league. So it clearly ticked both boxes there. Um, but that's that was such an impressive job for me because of the time he took over. And you know, Sunderland had only just come up from League One. They weren't expected yeah. to to challenge at the top end of the league. They also had massive massive issues up front. I think um, after the I think in the second half of the season, a striker didn't score a goal for them. He uh, he ended up playing kind of a load of. Um, inverted wingers and inverted forwards, basically just having four players kind of with freedom up front rather than that natural focal point. Um, could probably do that at Blues as well with the players they've got, to be honest, because uh, Blues haven't had that consistent striker this season, really. Um, but yeah, they they played a 4-2-3-1, which Blues have played for a large spell of this season. Um, and like we spoke before we came on air as well, Mowbray has favoured that formation during his time at Blackburn and previously. So that... For me, Brian, bodes quite well because I think during the Rooney games at times we were crying out for Blues to just return to a little bit more of a a solid formation, a, a solid base where they've got those two holding midfielders in front of a back four. Um, yes, we know Christian Bielik and Ivan Sunjic have their limitations in possession sometimes, but Blues were very good at the start of the season with those two protecting the back four. Felt like that's what the squad was recruited for, wasn't it? That that four two three one setup that that used to, yeah. Um, so yeah, Mowbray has also played the four one four one at Sunderland, hasn't he? Just mm. with, with the single pivot and and, and Pierre Equa, um as as that that screen in front of the um, in front of the four man defence. Um, but yeah, the four two three one. He's all as you said. He he used used that at Blackburn and he's used that at Sunderland as well. And um, yeah, I think you know, as things stand, Blues have got options in in the defensive too. They've obviously, you know, they've got Bielik, they've got Sunjic, they've got Jordan James. For now, we think um, they've they've got Gary Gardner. Uh, you know, there, there there are and Bakuna's been pl- been played there as well. I'm not sure he'll we'll see a lot of Bakuna in that deep under Mowbray. Um, so there's there's options in that too. There's there's options in the three. Well, I suppose what you would say is every four-two-three-one would you'd love to have a Clayton Donaldson as the one, wouldn't you? You know, mm. someone able to run the challenge, the challenge, the channel. Sorry, and um, then to then get in the box and 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 score a few goals. Blues don't have that. Djokovic isn't going to be that mobile. He might be the focal point um, to to play off. Uh, Stansfield maybe, maybe we'll come on to Stansfield a, a little bit. I don't know if Stansfield is. He's got the physical presence to be the one. Um, Hogan, you know, I, I'm. I think Rooney was done with Hogan, and, and that's mm. the one area I would potentially agree with Rooney on. I, I struggle watching Scott Hogan at the moment, and you know, I, I wouldn't be massively confident with with him as the one. So it's it's 
it's the the one that sort of the the the, the focal point the, the the line leader that that is potentially the one question mark in making it all work but in, as regards the two the defensive pivots and, and 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 the three the sort of the attacking flair players i think he's got loads of options because that was the way the, the team was recruited for for Eustace yeah no i agree if there's it's it's it, different managers kind of obviously create different recruitment conversations don't they because I think going into this month with Rooney in charge, we were thinking, oh, the spine of the team needs strengthening. He probably needs a midfielder who suits him a little bit more. He can play a little bit more, a centre-back to play alongside Sanderson. But now you're looking at the centre-back situation, you think if Kevin Long can come back into the team and become solid again, then that probably solves that issue. It's not so pressing. The midfield issue, if Blues go back to a 4-2-3-1, Ivan Sunic is in vogue, get his knees, he's perfect for that. Yeah. And then you are looking again towards a strike, which is probably where John Eustace would have looked had he remained in the team. Because this, this, had he remained the manager, because there wasn't kind of that guy who was other than Stansfield, who does prefer we must stress as a to play as a number ten. There wasn't that guy who was consistently scoring goals at the start of the season. You know, mm. um, Scott Hogan I think has got a couple. Djukovic has has got a few, but you know, more of his goals have come off the bench, or more of his impacts have come off the bench. So. You know, a mobile striker in a Mowbray system would be would be ideal. But then again, like I mentioned before, he played without one at Sunderland. It worked quite yeah, well. So absolutely, they lost Ross Stewart really early, didn't they? And, yeah. and and never never really replaced him. And and they they played a false nine. You know, they, those the attacking three and the one were very interchangeable and very mobile. And and yeah, uh, uh, this is what you get with Tony Mowbray, isn't it? You get a man who has the experience and knows where the answers are for certain situations and, and certain deficiencies in his squad. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I would expect it to be a 4-2-3-1. I don't know that it'll be a 4-1-4-1. I'm almost certain it won't be a wing-back system. Mm. Um, but it but it will be interesting. And, and as you say, you know, if Sanderson and Long have got the, 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 the two holders in front of them, Suddenly, they you know it feels a lot more stable again, doesn't it? Yeah, hundred um, percent. Moving on to the coaching staff, uh, obviously a lot of questions about that yesterday. And made sure we mm. asked uh, Tony Mowbray about it. Um, obviously, Ashley Cole, John O'Shea, and Pete Shuttleworth, three of the coaches brought in by Rooney, are still um, at Blues' base in in Henley and Arden. Um, and obviously, Tony Mowbray has brought Mark Venus, his long term number two, with him. Um, and obviously Mike Taylor's still there too as goalkeeping coach. So three coaches there from the last regime. Um, Tony Mowbray seemed very open to working with them, didn't he, Brian? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You've done you've done a piece today, haven't you? So you know, saying that he's he he's going to see what he's got before he knows what he needs to change, which seems eminently sensible, doesn't it? Um, you know, I think. I mean, you watched you watched. Rooney's Blues train in that open open session, didn't you, before the Cardiff game? And yes, they went on to win the Cardiff game, and and there were certain things that they they, they worked they worked on, certain sort of tactics that they worked on is you know like hitting the left hitting the left back with a with the diagonal from the goalkeeper. There were bits and pieces that picked up that worked, um, but Cole and O'Shea weren't necessarily massively involved. They didn't feel particularly empowered, did they? No, they were, they were a bit part of players in that particular session. Uh, it was very much Cole Robinson leading with Rooney having input. Um, those two are gone now. Um, and from what we're told, Ashley Cole has taken on a little bit more of a prominent role mm. uh, in training this week. Tony Mowbray said himself that he likes to uh, 
at time when he was at the start of his managerial career, he pretty much did everything. But over time, he's learned to delegate, and now he likes to sometimes sit back um, and watch what's going on so he can suss things out. And uh, yeah, Ashley Cole seems to have um, shot up the rankings a little bit. Um, I remember back to his back to Rooney's first game in charge at Middlesbrough, and Ashley Cole was probably almost like second in command that day in terms of you know his involvement on the touchline. He was very vocal. Uh, but from there on, he was he was kind of a um, a character, a, a fringe character, almost on the peripheries of what was going on. It was very much Rooney uh, with Carl Robinson, sometimes Shuttleworth, and sometimes O'Shea. And Ashley Cole wouldn't be so involved in the touchline, but um, yeah, he seems to have taken on a, a slightly more prominent role, which is which is interesting. Mm. Um, John O'Shea too will be getting will be getting a chance apparently under Mowbray and Pete Shuttleworth who. Uh, let, under Rooney was doing more of a uh, a video analysis slash coaching role. Um, is is also still there, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out going forward. Um, Mowbray was very keen to stress the importance of Mark Venus. Uh, he's worked with him now for for two decades. Every club he's been at, he's he's been his, his assistant manager. Apart from at Coventry, where Venus stepped upstairs to be the technical director. And uh, they clearly have a great friendship, which was formed when they were players at Ipswich Town, both Northeast guys as well. Um, and Mowbray admitted that Venus has strengths that he doesn't have. He's, he said he's very intelligent. He can get messages across to players. Um, you know, he, he said that he, you know, he's got, he's obviously got degrees, stocks and shares. And he, he if someone's going to win the three three twenty at Kempton, Mark Venus will know about it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, clearly. You know, two guys who fit well together um, and it's worked before. And, you know, let's hope it can work again with those two. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether Venus is 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 the loudest voice on the training ground or whether, you know, whether Ashley Cole will continue to be given this opportunity to to prove himself. You know, it's worth worth stating that Cole had a quite an exciting reputation, didn't he, in the England under-21 setup and under Lee Carsley. Uh, you know, he, he, this is this is a bloke who's choosing to be a coach. I, I, I don't know his bank balance, but I would imagine financially he doesn't he doesn't necessarily need need to you know be going away to to hold for an FA Cup tie. He's 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 opting into this, isn't he? So I'm I'm pleased if Mo if he's going to be empowered and given the opportunity to prove himself under Mowbray. That that's for me that's great management because he's an asset that Blues already have, um, and. You know, if they, if they can, if they can find some that Ashley Cole is indeed one, of, you know, something of a rising star in 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 coaching circles, then you know that's that's to the betterment of the club, isn't it? And it's a it's an impressive. It's just again, I keep using this word. It's it's, it's just shows the self confidence of of Mowbray that he doesn't feel threatened or challenged by mm. by when, when he's co- he's coming to a new club and new faces, and you know, he then he's not worried about trust issues or you you belong to the previous regime it's can you do a job for me and if you can we'll keep you and if you want to you know you're you're welcome to stay and just so grown up isn't it yeah a manager and wavering really confident in his own ability uh, yeah like to me 100 uh, um moving on to a few questions because the first one of those questions ties in with what we've just been talking about um chris wood uh, not the premier league striker Cole and O'Shea still here for the long haul. Uh, could it be that sucking them would mean paying out contracts and we're trying to save money by not doing that? Well, we, we did speak about this before we came on air. It is That's the logical kind of answer, isn't it, I think? Um, you know, they've obviously had to pay off two managers already this season. Um, money's 
not particularly, you know, money is quite tight given the financial fair play restrictions Blues are working within at the moment, um, especially in a transfer window, they don't want to be throwing money away that they could spend on potential signings. That that would make sense. It would make sense. And it would also, like we've spoken about, make sense to give them a chance, to give them the opportunity mm. um, to prove themselves because, you know, they might not have had, they've only had, what, two and a half, three months under, under Wayne Rooney. They've not really had a great deal of time to to put their own thoughts and you know develop themselves on the training pitches under Mowbray a vastly experienced coach and also Mark Venus they'll probably get more um learning hmm. than they would have previously so um you know I, I I think it's 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 a trial and error situation isn't it um if it works then great blues can save themselves money because they won't have to keep paying paying people off and appointing new people um and obviously, if Mowbray's happy for that, then that's that's a good thing, isn't it? But you know, it's a, it's a, I think it's a Mowbray kind of let let's believe it to see see how things go, sort of thing. And also, Cole and O'Shea might have their own ideas. They might want to go into something else and have their own managerial careers. Wayne Rooney could get another job in the next five months, and they could all be on their way to work with him again. Who knows? Um, it's just kind of a wait and see situation. Yeah, it is. I mean, I mean in terms of. You know, if you if you sack someone, football clubs don't necessarily pay out the next day. They pay up the full contract the next day, do they? You know, people tend to go on gardening leave, and there are there are ways around. You know, not having people at, at your football club. You know, blues have, blues have done that with guys like James Beatty. I think he was. Uh, you know, he was on. I don't know, but my understanding was, I, I think I think he was. You know, on gardening leave for for quite an extended time. No, like I said before, I just uh, I'm, I'm going to take it take it Mowbray at face value because that's what he's asked us to do, um, mm. uh, and and say that yeah he's going to explore what Cole and O'Shea can can give him. Um, so as I say, what you know, why why create a, a confrontation or a, a a situation where you potentially need to be getting rid of, rid of people if you feel they can they can offer you something? So yeah, I mean maybe may, maybe that is the long term play, Chris. Um, but as I said, I'm going to take Mowbray at face value on this one. Uh, secondly, from uh, from Matt Hawkins, any inkling of how he'll set the team up on Saturday? Um, I think we both got the impression that Mowbray understands that Blues have limitations in terms of on the ball at the moment and in terms of the style of play. Um, I think we'll get more of a pragmatic approach. Blues will probably set up with a, a team with a lot of energy and, um, I don't think they'll be dissimilar to the way they were at the start of the season, to be honest. I think Mowbray acknowledged that Swansea, under Luke Williams, a new a new manager who likes to have a lot of the ball. Uh, and Swansea, historically a team that does have a lot of possession, will probably have more of the ball on Saturday. And Blues will have to sit in at times and play on the counter-attack, which they weren't always willing to do under Wayne Rooney. Uh, you, you, know, you think back to those first two games under Rooney against Middlesbrough Hall, where... Blues abandoned all kind of you know the tried and trusted methods of the start of the season and went to this bold, you know, ambitious, chaotic in my opinion new way of playing, um, and it didn't work at all. And all of a sudden, Blues have lost two games on the spin. They're in, they're on the back foot and trying to try to get themselves out of a mini rut, and they could never do that. Um, so I think we'll get a, a sensible approach. Yeah, I mean, in terms of formation, um, was it Matt's question? Yeah. Uh, Matt, yeah, in terms of formation, as we said, we think it will be a, a 4 2 3 1 or a 4 1 4 1, something like that. But yeah, I agree, as, as Alex said, Mowbray spent 
quite a lot of time talking about you know we not running before we can before we can walk sort of thing uh and and as you say he, he did he did actually comment about the limitations of of, of the players in possession didn't he mm. um and but i think he sees this this as a as a pro as a process you know from getting blues to where they are to where he wants them to be which you know will be you know dominating possession 60 percent of the ball and, and creating chances you know he, he spoke I think it was his final home game. He spoke about his 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 Sunderland team losing two one at home to Huddersfield, didn't he? And uh, and he said we've had twenty seven shots um, and and you know sixty percent possession. If you if you do that, you'll win more often than you're not on the day. They ended they ended up losing. Um, so it'll be a process for 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 his team to get from where they are, what they're capable of now to where he wants them to be, where they are having those, those sort of match, match statistics. Um, so yeah, as you, I mean, I've said in a very long winded way, what you've just said, it might be a little bit Eustonian again, mightn't it? You know, back, back to the, the, the principles of, of, of John Eustace, who I thought was on the right track, but we don't need to go over that again. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Uh, moving on to the final question from Simon Quigley. Uh, really intrigued to understand the standard he's setting. So just how good was the buffet? Uh, this, to be fair, this is this has gone viral, hasn't it? It's been the talk of uh, talk of the championship. Um, Tony Mowbray called it. He called it an a a star buffet or something. Uh, Champions Champions League. He said, didn't he? Yeah. Champions League buffet. He said he was impressed with the uh, the food on supply at Sunderland, <laughs> but he said this was another level. Um, yeah, uh, I was too fair. I was I was given the heads up that it was going to be special to be honest uh, beforehand. Um, it was it was good to be fair. When I when I go go to press conferences every Thursday, because there's normally only three four people there. You don't you're not normally treated to a to the, the standard of buffet that we were at Tony Mowbray's unveiling. You know, there were nice cakes, um, one of which was very difficult to eat, to be honest, because it was so kind of stacked. Um, there were loads of pastries. Um, to be fair, I would I would implore the staff of Birmingham City to continue putting on the buffet every single press conference. Yeah, I mean, it, just to paint a picture, it, it was, you know, it, it wasn't a three-course and I'm not complaining about free food. I promise you, I'm not. I'm literally just, you know, saying saying what it was. Uh, it, it it was basically a you know a, a very nice looking um, stack of 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 pastries and chocolate muffins and and biscuits and and smoothies and water and tea and coffee and and things like that. You know, it it was fa- it was lovely. You know, having eaten at eaten at uh, Arsenal and Man City, I don't know if I I would necessarily say it was it was up there. Um, but you know, it, it was befitting of an of an afternoon tea party with an English gentleman, wasn't it? You know, it it, it was it was good. You know, the the pastries. I suppose the, the risk you take with a pastry at, at three o'clock in the afternoon is it can be a, is it can be a little bit dry. If it's been out in the air all day, but you know, it it was still it was still fresh. It was still soft. It, it it was good, you know. I'm absolutely not going to complain about it. Champions League, not for me. Probably, you know, a, a run to an FA Cup semi final at Wembley. I would say that's where I that's where I would pitch yesterday's free food, and I'm not complaining about it. That's nice. I had a I had a Sunday roast at Arsenal once, and I'm convinced it was the best meal I've ever had. Um, <laughs> it was incredible. Um, 
but yeah, it was it was good. It was good, and we're hoping it's a, it's a becomes a regular theme of of Mowbray's press conferences. Um, there was go on then. While we're on while we're on the subject of food, worst foot worst football mat, football ground fair that you that you've ever had. This is unfair. This is unfair. Because <laughs> you know, you know how I like to be nice to all the away grounds we go to, so I can get parking. So this is this is unfair. Um, so many that I've been to that haven't actually given me anything. This season, this se- I'm going to do this season. This, this season, I think the, the quality's been quite good in the championship. Norwich was very good. Norwich to this uh, this lovely banana bread that you get oh, after you've had you've had a, I think had a nice lasagna as well. That was really really nice. Um, Blackburn left a lot to be desired. Blackburn, I was going to say Blackburn as well. Yeah, yeah. Black Blackburn used to be really good. To be fair, it has some surprisingly good um, chilies and, and lasagnas there. Um, but in the last couple of years, maybe it's a sign of cost cutting. It's <laughs> what they do is that is is they roll out the sort of the heated food cabinets, uh, mm. but there's there's nothing on them, and you go in, you you look inside, and it's pre-packed sandwiches. Um, yeah. So listen, I'm aware that. People might think we're absolute pillocks for complaining about <laughs> complaining not, about you're not complaining about free food. Um, I'm not complaining about free food either. What I would say about the blues food since Nighthairs have come in, it's really they're really up, up their game, haven't they? You know, mm. the, 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 the pre match food at St Andrews is, is excellent. So, yeah, let's maybe not dish out too many brickbats and and go go down praising a, a, a few grounds yeah you you are right the the banana cake at, at norwich is almost worth three hours on the a14 for yeah let's finish on, a, on another note of sorts so i know you're really happy to write about this yesterday uh i've never been to a press conference especially a manager unveiling where the managers actually started to sing um, um to be fair he was given a lot of encouragement uh to be fair to tony mowbray yeah a lot of people wanted him to uh to break into tune but He's clearly a big Frank Sinatra fan, uh, and it sing, he sings it in the morning to get him going. And uh, he gave us a little rendition, didn't he, midway through yeah. his press conference? Yeah. I, th- I think that was I think that was Annie from from the musical Annie uh, tomorrow. Uh, so yeah, he did talk about Frank, Sin- Frank Sinatra, and again, I've said it a million times already. Just shows how, comf- how comfortable he is in, in his own skin. But it it, it, it was amusing, uh, and I think he chose that song. Uh, because the lady, the the lady uh, on reception at the training ground is a lady called Anne Marie, so I, th- I think that's why he went went down that route. So it seems so far, not only does he have a, a an inexhaustible supply of formations and tactics at his fingertips, he's he's got a a song for every every name he, he meets as well. So yeah, ticked a lot of boxes yesterday, didn't it? Hit all the right notes, Brian. Hit all the right notes. Oh, there we um, go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's pretty much covered everything. Uh, thanks, everyone, for bringing the questions, as always. Um, thank you, Brian, for joining me. Hopefully, Tony Mowbray can start against Swansea with a crucial three points. Uh, thank you, everyone, and it's a keep right on from both of us. Mm-hmm.